Welcome to Beyond Speaking with Brian Lord, a podcast featuring deeper conversations with the world's top speakers. Hi, I'm Brian Lord, your host of the Beyond Speaking podcast. And today we have on Sue Reynolds. She's the author of The Athlete Inside, The Transforming Power of Hope, Tenacity, and Faith. At age 60, Sue couldn't walk to the mailbox from her house. Then she went out and lost 200 pounds, and she also became a world-class triathlete, which is just crazy, amazing. So we're gonna talk about Sue's amazing story and how we can apply her wisdom to our lives. So Sue, thanks for coming on. Thank you, thank you so much. It's my honor to be with you. Now, first of all, I'm gonna apologize to everybody listening. So um, we graduated a few years apart, but Sue and I went to the same small Indiana college called DePaul University. So anytime someone from DePaul gets famous, like Brad Stevens, who's the head coach of the Boston Celtics, or Vice President Dan Quayle, or Angie of Angie's List, and of course now Sue Reynolds, like everybody mm-hmm. cheers them on. So apologize in advance if we're talking about some school you've never heard of, but still is awesome. So, mm-hmm. um, so I just thought I'd get that out of the way because we're going to have a little DePaul time in here. Um, but uh, first of all, so Sue, you've got this amazing story. Now, were you an athlete growing up or what's kind of your sports background? No, I was not an athlete growing up. And really, it wasn't until age 60 that I even knew that I liked sports. And that was, <laughs> that was quite a surprise. That is, that's so funny. So did, why didn't you, did you just have a family that didn't do them? Or did you just like skip gym class or, or <laughs> how did that happen? Yeah, so um, when I was in school, um, we didn't have sports for girls. Um, the In PE class, the boys would go to the gym to play basketball, and the girls would go to the home ec room to square dance. So we just, yeah, we just didn't wow. have the opportunity to participate in sports. And there's probably a lot of women like me um, who are athletes and don't know it. Wow. And so... Um... I guess, you know, from, from jumping from there, um, you know, part of your story, we, you know, a lot of people are introduced to kind of the famous picture you posted, like, here's me at 335 and then here's me at 225 or so. And then 135, where did you get to where you didn't want to be? Or how did you get to where you didn't want to be? Yeah. So I have, was, um, obese for most of my life. Um, Um, when I married my husband, he was very skinny and I decided I would fatten him up and he gained, (laughs) yeah, he gained three pounds and I gained 30. It didn't work at all. Um, yeah. And then, um, I had a job that I really, really liked. Um, I founded a nonprofit, nonprofit that helps community organizations implement the process of change. And, um, I loved that job and worked a lot of all nights and, um, to stay awake, I would eat. And as my, as the nonprofit grew, my waistline grew as well. So, and then I finally got to the point where I just got really fed up with all the things that I couldn't do. You know, when you're really obese, it's, it's like a disability. Um, I couldn't fit in a restaurant booth. Um, I couldn't even tie my own shoes because my stomach was so big, I couldn't reach over it to get to my feet. So every morning I'd have to ask my husband to put my socks and shoes on for me. Um, There's just a lot of things I couldn't do. And I just got to the point where one morning, um, really nothing special happened, but I just hit that breaking point. And I was at breakfast in front of a high calorie breakfast and I just remember putting my hands up in front of me and just saying, enough, this is enough. And at that point, I, I, my 
my my direction changed and I started making different choices. And what was kind of the first change that you made? Yeah, so, um, you know, I, I didn't know exactly what to do or what a successful diet was like, but I had heard a lot about Weight Watchers. So I joined Weight Watchers and I actually lost a lot of weight on Weight Watchers, but I mm -hmm. didn't do it the way that Weight Watchers intended. <laughs> um, I ate all of my points uh, in donuts and uh, waffles for breakfast, and then I just didn't eat the rest of the day. And because my calorie intake was lower, I lost weight, but that wasn't um, a good way to sustain a, uh, a nutrition program, and I ended up gaining all that weight back. Um, and then I went to a different type of nutrition program, a Whole Foods uh, program, where I just started eating really healthy, mm -hmm. um, nothing special about it, I, but I just ate healthy. And that not only allowed me to lose the weight, but allowed me to sustain the weight uh, loss program for a long time. And where, where did you um, kind of get your start? You know, because not everybody goes, okay, I need to get healthy. I'm going to become a world-class uh, world triathlete. Mm -hmm. um, where, what was your sort of athletic pass uh, or, you know, kind of the path that you took there? Yeah. So um, in terms of exercise, um, my, my first exercise was to just go for a walk with my husband. And that was something that my family had been nagging me to do for a long time. And I kept telling them no. And, um, and finally I said, yes. And we walked out the back door. I think I was holding onto his arm and I think he was carrying maybe half my weight. Um, and we just walked to the next driveway and back. So that was maybe a hundred yards, you know, the length of a football field. And, I was exhausted. I collapsed on the couch and that maybe was the hardest physical thing I've ever done is to, you know, at, at 335 pounds, just to walk to the neighbor's driveway and back. And, um, but at the same time, I was really, I was really pumped because I had exercised. And mm -hmm. uh, the next day we walked to the second neighbor's driveway and then the third neighbor's driveway. And then it just kept getting farther and farther. And um, to make a long story short, I thought, well, let's do a little bit of, of, um, different kind of exercising. So I joined a water aerobics class and then um, a spin class. And then I got this crazy idea in my head that maybe I could do a triathlon someday. And I, I never really thought that I would do one, um, but it just, um, it, it just gave purpose to my exercise and was kind of fun to dream about. Now, did you start off with a triathlon? Did you do like a 5k first or, or how, what was kind of that path? Yeah, so I did a, I walked a 5K, and to this day, including all of my world championships, that first 5K walk was the hardest thing that I've ever done. I'm sure that my, my, my heart rate was over redlined the entire time. Um, the, the 5K walk, my very first one was appropriately uh, named the Krispy Kreme Challenge. <laughs> so that was a little crazy, and the, the twist was at the halfway point, they gave you a half dozen donuts to eat. And so I not only had the challenge of the walk, but I also had the challenge of not eating those donuts. So, <laughs> That's just kind of cruel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I walked that one and then um, my first, and then I, I did the couch to 5k program to run a little bit. My first run was literally 10 feet. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, not, I'm not really sure I was running, but my elbows were bent. And so I called it running. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. And then I, I finally got to the point where I could run a 5k and then I um, tried my first triathlon and 
I really wasn't sure that I could finish my first triathlon. I took my cell phone with me so I could call my husband if I couldn't make it to the end. And I, I had no idea what I was doing. I had never seen a triathlon. I didn't know any triathletes. So I just showed up and kind of watched what everybody else was doing. And um, I swam the swim, got out of the water and sat down in transition and brushed my hair and ate a sandwich. And <laughs> I think I spent 30 minutes in transition and um, then went out on the bike and just loved the bike. Um, I went down hills and yelled, wee, as I flew <laughs> down them. I just was having a blast. And then the run, I just went super, super slow. And, you know, a lot of people in their first triathlon is, is you know, because I know you've done some triathlons too, but mm-hmm. um, we, they, you know, you can dog paddle the swim, you can walk the run part. Um, you don't have to go fast. And, and I certainly didn't go fast in mine. I, I came in, um, uh, in my first triathlons, I, I often came in dead last, but I didn't care because I crossed the finish line. And that's what it was all about. Well, you know, a big part is is not just the physical part, but it's the mental sort of emotional part. And and I've talked to, and you mentioned I, I do them not to the level you do, but, um, you know, triathlons and that sort of thing. And there's so much fear and pride that goes into doing it. So what, what was your journey like there and how did you deal with it? Yeah, that started in my, my very first triathlon. Um, I, I was scared to death and I found myself in transition before the race started. And, and right up until I got in the water, I was considering backing out. And I finally just told myself, go away fear. And then the other part was, and again, in my first triathlon, I mean, I'm still obese and um, I, you know, I, I never thought that I would wear a bathing suit in public at my size. And mm-hmm. um, so I really had to tell my pride to go away too. Um, and all throughout my journey, I've found that that pride gets in my way more than anything. Um, so I've just developed these slogans, go away fear, go away pride. And, you know, sometimes um you know, I'll hand, I hold my hands out in front of me and I'll put fear and pride in one hand and then whatever <laughs> I accomplish in the other hand, literally. And I, you know, I weigh my hands up and down um, and, and decide that I want what I want to accomplish much more than I want to be controlled by fear and pride. So, yeah, that, that, was, that was a big mental part for me to just say, okay, go away fear, we're going to do this. Along this, uh, you know, through your journey, were there any times that you quit or was it smooth sailing the whole way? Yeah, well, it certainly wasn't smooth sailing. Um, (laughs) There were many, many times where I was just terrified. You know, my first triathlon, my first large triathlon, my first world championship. And I never quit, but I, I had many total meltdowns where I would tell myself things like, oh my gosh, you're out of your league. You're an imposter. What are you doing? (laughs) No, you're just a beginner and you're at Worlds. And, um, but again, those are the places where I'd say, go away fear or go away pride and, and just make myself keep going. So there's a big difference for those who haven't done triathlons. There's kind of this big difference between doing your, your little local one and doing a big mass one in a like Lake Michigan in a gigantic city with all these different things. Um, so tell us about, and was it Chicago was your first big, big race? 
Yeah, Chicago was was my first large race. Um, I went to the World Triathlon Championship, not as a competitor for Team USA, but just as a somebody wanting to race in their open race. So mm-hmm. at the World Championship, each country sends its best athletes to compete, but then anybody can go and compete in the open race. And so I went there and there, you know, there's 4,000 athletes there and um, it was really the first time that I had competed with a lot of other uh, athletes my age, and um, so yeah, so that was um, that was that was quite scary. And <laughs> I learned also that at large races, um, there's you know so hard to coordinate an event with multiple races and 4,000 athletes, and things don't always go as planned. So you know there there were. Um, adjustments that the race organizers made at the last minute. And I really had to learn to adjust to chaos. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, that's a good life lesson as well, that life sometimes throws, you know, things at us that we're not expecting. And um, I've learned through triathlon to just accept whatever's thrown at me and then to make adjustments and, and to just keep going. So yeah, that, that was a crazy race. And it was also, as I mentioned, the first time that I had to race against other women my age, a large group of women my age. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it was that race was kind of a, a life changer for me. Um, I was in the middle of the swim, and it was very, very crowded. It was the first time we did a mass start. So in lo- my local triathlons, they would start the triathletes one at a time. Um, and then they'd adjust the times at the end of the race. But in this race, um, you know, a gun went off and um, I think there were 120 of us. We all started at the same time. And so it was very congested and my arm came down in the middle of another woman's back. <laughs> yeah. And I'm thinking, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm looking, we had to swim under, under a little bridge that was narrow and had riprap on the side. So I wanted to make sure I didn't, I was in the middle going through that bridge. And my arm came down on her back. And, you know, in real life, I'm a kind of a gentle person. In real life, I would have, you know, pulled back and said, oh, you go right ahead. But I'm in a race and and I want to beat her to that, to get under that bridge. And so I just kept my arm moving. And in the process, I shoved her underwater and I ended up swimming over the top of her. And I beat her to the bridge. And I found that I just loved that feeling. And I found that I not only like sports, but I had this competitive kind of monster inside of me that I <laughs> there. And yeah, that that was a that was actually quite disturbing. Um, I thought, oh my gosh, I shoved a woman underwater, and I liked it, and, uh, <laughs> and it was it was nuts. So, but I went home and talked to my coach, and um, at that time I was working with a coach, and. And he said, Sue, that's a good feeling. You know, that's, that's part of competing is wanting to be people. And everybody knows that there's going to be a winner and a loser. And, um, you know, it's just part of, of competition. And he said, that's a really good feeling that you have in sports is that competitive desire. So, so yeah, but that was, that was a game changer for me. So that's one of the things is like learning that you are a real competitor. At what point did you feel like you were a real triathlete? Yeah, that that was hard because, you know, as an obese person, like when I bought my first bike, 
I was embarrassed to go into the bike shop because I, I knew that everybody was going to be thinking, what, why does the obese person you know, want to buy a bike? And I had a really, really hard time adjusting mentally to thinking of myself as an athlete. Um, and again, I, I, I started working with a coach um, just because I wanted somebody to tell me what I was supposed to do in transition. I never thought a coach would want to work with an obese person, but <laughs> I discovered that, that he did. And um, I've been working with him for, oh gosh, going on seven years now. But in the beginning, I couldn't even call myself an athlete. Um, I would refer to myself as an athlete wannabe or a pseudo athlete. And um, about when I, when, I, um, when I finally was not obese anymore, I was, and I wasn't overweight, that morning when I got on the scale, um, you know, I thought I'd just be so excited because I was no longer overweight but I was lost. I, I didn't know like who I was. I didn't have an identity anymore because I was always the obese person. Mm -hmm. And my coach helped me think of myself. He said, you know, Sue, you're not an obese person. You're an athlete. And I did a lot of self-talk. I would look at myself in the mirror and say, you're an athlete, you're an athlete. And it just sounded so preposterous in the beginning. But then um, I actually looked up the definition of, of athlete in the dictionary and <laughs> I, I train every day and I compete in sports. So I, I slowly learned to think of myself as an athlete. But yeah, that was a that was a big mental change. Did you have any friends you were going through this journey with or was it just you and your coach? Um, it's pretty much just me and my coach. Um, there were folks that I would see at the pool, you know, that I would chat with about triathlon but when you you're when you're working with a coach that gives you specific workouts to do each day that you know say you know run hard for 2 minutes and then you know go easy for 30 seconds or whatever that workout is it's really hard to train with other people because mm -hmm. nobody wants to follow that regimen <laughs> so yeah so it was just pretty much me and i have a wonderful relationship with my coach he's younger than my children uh, <laughs> So that was a little weird to get used to taking directions from such a youngster, but um, he's done a fabulous job. And um, um, I really, I credit with him. I like to say that he's the brains behind the operation. He develops the perfect training plan. And my job is to execute his plan perfectly. What did your, speaking of your kids, what did your kids think about this? And I, one of the things you bring up is that sometimes you shared things, your plans and goals, but a lot of times you didn't. So I'm curious to know what your kids thought of this along the way and what you actually shared with them and versus what you surprised them with. Yeah, I think um, that anytime that you're looking at doing a transition, there's, you're always going to run against, uh, run up against resistance. And at first, my family was kind of concerned. They, you know, they wondered if me as an obese person doing triathlon would, you know, have a heart attack or was this really good for my health? And, um, but then as they saw me succeed and be able to finish triathlons and saw that I was losing weight and becoming healthy, but also how much joy I had in triathlon, um, they became my, my biggest fans. And um, I often in the beginning, I would text them to say, you know, I, I just walked my first mile and they text me back and say, <laughs> woohoo. And, 
Yeah, so they've they've been that both of them. I have two sons, adult sons, and they both have been just um, tremendous at, at encouraging me, and I, I they motivate me a lot. Now, have you gotten any of your family members to become runners or do a triathlon? <laughs> I I've gotten my husband. Um, he <laughs> walked some five Ks, and uh-huh. um, yeah, I've been really uh, happy with him. And then. My younger son, um, both my sons were athletes in high school, and um, my younger son does half marathons, and um, my, my older son is, is active with a lot of hiking, so uh-huh. yeah, he's active. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I'm sure they got that from you then. That's, uh, even though we didn't know it for a long time, that's, that's, uh, that's good genes right there. Um, actually, so actually, I think I got it from them. <laughs> <laughs> and that's uh, what I've learned in this is how young, young uh, adults can influence their, their older parents. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. Um, one thing, um, I guess, you know, from this journey of going there, from, from starting from, you know, basically from nothing um, to the world championships. What is the, and I love your story, I'll let you tell it, but of you at kind of finishing at the highest point at not just nationals, but at the world championships. So tell us where those were and what that experience was like. Yeah, so at that same race where I shoved the woman underwater, um, <laughs> So, and at that point, I was not training seriously. I would skip a workout if life got busy or, um, and, um, but at that race, I came in middle of the pack without really taking it seriously. And I thought, oh my gosh, you know, what would happen if I really got serious? And uh, I find that a lot of my, a lot of times in life when I go through changes, it often starts with what would happen if. So this case is what, what would happen if I really, really committed. So I, when I came home, I talked to my coach and I said, hey, I'm in my second season. I know I'm a beginner, but what would happen? Do you think you could train me like I was an elite triathlete and I would commit like an elite triathlete? And I thought he might roll his eyes, but he said, okay, let's, let's go for it. (laughs) So, um, yeah. So, um, so our motto for both of us became um, no excuses, whatever it takes, find a way. And my one goal for that year was to uh, actually had two goals. One was to never skip a workout. And the second goal was to do whatever my coach told me to do with integrity and so it became very serious. I, I really, even though I was still a beginner, I really tried to train like an, like an elite triathlete. And we paid attention to swim, bike, and run. We paid attention to nutrition and my recovery, sleep, and just, just everything. And um, we did that for a year. And then my kind of secret goal was to, uh, which I didn't share even with my coach for a long time, was to qualify for Team USA. And I thought it would take me three years of training like an elite to, to qualify, but we just, I mean, I just nailed everything and we, we ended up qualifying the, the next summer. So wow, that, that was thrilling. Yes. So, and that, yeah. and what's amazing too, like I love some of the stories in your book about what you had to do with the whole no excuses thing. Like one time 
you swam in uh, alligator infested waters to get your workout in. And uh, so was that true? Like, did you ever actually see any alligators or just, so for the backdrop, you go, your husband's at the car because he has to watch your bike and you go out to this like mangrove swamp to get your swim in. What were you thinking? Yeah, that, that was crazy. So that was the year where my goal was to never miss a workout. And, um, so I walked up to this swamp as you, it was, actually, it, was a, it was a lake with a swampy entrance. Oh, okay. And, um, and I got up to the point and there was no one around. There was no lifeguard. There was nobody on the beach, no boats in the water. There was nothing except a sign that said, beware of alligators. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I'm just, I, I'm thinking, I don't want to miss one workout because I figure if I do, it'd be so much easier to miss another, the second workout. So, um, so yeah, so I finally um, decided to go ahead and do the swim. And there, luckily, before I got in the water, a boat did appear and there was a local gentleman on the boat. And you know, one thing I've learned in this journey is just how kind people can be. And it just seems that at every moment when I've needed someone, someone has popped into my life. I mean, it's just, I like to think of it as the, the face of God. But this gentleman appeared and he said, I'll protect you from the alligators. And I, you know, I, I thought, what does that mean? <laughs> so he ended up, he walked out and he was a local gentleman and he was not afraid of the alligators. He walked out into the water and stood chest deep um, and, and watched for alligators. And I went in and did my entire workout with him standing there watching for alligators. And every time I took a breath, I would, I would look to see if he was still watching for alligators. <laughs> but he was there and I, I, I so appreciate his kindness and, and all the people in my life who have you know, just showered me with kindness like that and got the workout in and didn't miss it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, and I love that. I mean, like I can imagine that's like the fastest you swam in a workout for anything. <laughs> like I got to get this thing done. Yeah, yeah uh, I, it was. Yeah, that, that's a, that's a, that's a good idea. I just need to pretend there's alligators behind me to swim fast. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so where, so going to the fast forwarding of the world championships, uh, where were they? And uh, tell us how that went and what the result was. So my, my first world championship was um, in my, so after you qualify, then you, your worlds is a year after that. So um, my, my first world championship was in my fourth year of, of triathlon. So I'm still virtually a beginner. And, um, and I, I just, again, that was a time where I had to constantly say, go away fear, go away fear. Um, I felt, I really did feel like an imposter. I, I researched all the other women in my age group. And I mean, they were like coaches of college athletic teams. They were former All-Americans. Um, they were just these amazing athletes. And then there was me who you know, <laughs> a few years ago couldn't tie my shoes. And um, I, I really felt like I was out of my league. But um, that Worlds was in Cozumel, Mexico. Um, and I was down to my ideal race weight. Um, I was at 135 pounds. Um, we decided, and that was kind of a difficult decision. A lot of research went into, you know, when do I stop losing weight? Because, you right. know, and I was really afraid of stopping losing weight because every other time I'd stopped a diet, I just gained it all back plus mm -hmm. an extra 20. 
So um, that was really scary, but we finally, with a lot of input, decided to go to 135. Um, actually, we went to 150, and then I started losing very, very slowly to see if um, the if I, you know, the danger was of weighing too less and too little, and then I wouldn't be able to compete as well. So, so anyway, so we went down to 135, and um, it, going to Worlds, that was a, an experience that, oh my gosh, I, I just will never, never forget. Um, we get to wear, as age group triathletes, we get to wear the same uniform that the, our Olympic team wears. So, you know, I'm wearing in the same uniform that says USA across the front and, and it has my name on the front and, <laughs> and the rear. So, you know, it says USA Reynolds. I never thought I'd have USA Reynolds across my rear end, but um, <laughs> so, but um, yeah, so, and then we're, we're at the start and it was not a, of course in Mexico was not a, we didn't wear wetsuits because the water was warm. So, you know, you got to stand there and I'm looking around and here's, you know, athletes from Australia and Mexico and Great Britain and, Germany and I mean it was just you know to be there at that start line and to think that I'm racing on behalf of my country mm. against you know the best triathletes in the world it was it was just humbling it was scary it was I mean I just the emotions inside of me were amazing so but yeah so the race went well um I ended up finishing 11th, which, mm -hmm. you know to be 11th in the world after not wow. being able to play my shoes was just um, <laughs> I was just shocked and um, yeah, so did that and then came back a year later and competed in my second Worlds in Rotterdam and um, at that one I finished sixth in the world and I was the first American and wow, um, yeah, when I saw those results, I mean, it was just, the emotions were just overwhelming. I, I, I was so excited and just so grateful to everybody that helped me along the way and you know, so many blessings and just to discover a sport that I love and, you know, to be able to have the, to live in a country where we have the freedom to do the things that we love to do. And um, just, I just felt just incredibly blessed. Thank you for joining us for the Beyond Speaking podcast. To learn more about today's guests, go to beyondspeak.com. Make sure to leave a review and subscribe wherever you listen.